You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this special Victory Monday edition of the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. For the best tasting protein bar on the market, go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON and save 20% off your next order. Thank you for joining us on this special Monday edition of Locked On Sooners. I am your host, John Williams. You can find me on Twitter at John9Williams. Joining me today, as always, is former Oklahoma Sooners offensive lineman and co-host of the Iron Horse podcast, David Walker. You can follow David on Twitter at, at D underscore walk 74. David, how you doing? Have you come down from that, that huge victory on Saturday yet? Well, I've had uh, 24 hours to process it. I don't know that I've come down from it yet. I can tell you that the sunburn I, I uh, acquired from it has not subsided just yet. So uh, lots of aloe vera and uh, de- uh, re- rehydration. So outside of that, yeah, I'm still coming down from it because it was a fantastic experience in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, watching it on TV, it definitely looked like a bright, sunny day. And my, my wife commented on a lot of the Texas fans who were shirtless. They're like, oh, there's a lot of sunburns that are going to be happening and getting healed up in Austin this week. A little uh, uh, little present for them to go home with. Yeah, yeah. There was not a shred of cloud in the sky. And it was just sitting there like in a microwave for four hours and 43 minutes. But it was... You know, to the victor, go to the spoils, and all the Sooner fans walked out happy to be uh, a little, uh, little more red. Yeah, that's right, man. If if you're gonna if you're gonna have to have a sunburn, at least you get the victory to go with it. So right. let's get into talking about this game, man. It was such an up and down game. The Sooners they started off, they actually got out to a ten nothing lead, which really surprised me. I, I was honestly shocked by their ability to kind of dictate from the opening whistle. And the thing that surprised me the most was the defensive effort from the jump was just spectacular. You know, they, the, they were able to, you know, get pressure on Sam Ellinger. They're actually making tackles, making those simple plays. Like we talked about last week, yeah. they, w- when you were watching this game, what was the energy like that, that you were getting from the field and just from the defensive effort in general? Well, it's really interesting because I went to the game last season as well. And it felt very similar in the way that we were just getting after Sam Ellinger and making him uncomfortable you know, in uh, 2019, they had nine sacks in, in the Cotton Bowl against him and, and just harassed him all day long. And while yesterday they finished with six sacks on Saturday, uh, it didn't have quite the impact of getting him to the ground. But when they brought the pressure and it seemed like they were bringing it early, it was uh, you know very similar to what they did the year before. But that open field tackling was significantly better and you could see that players were playing with more confidence and playing with just a lot more assertiveness as well and, and making those tackles and getting there and almost like that you could tell they had emphasized wrapping up. I saw guys just hanging on until they made the play as opposed to trying to deliver the big hit. So uh, it was definitely great to see. I, I will say that when we took the ball to start the game and the first play, uh, Creed has a bad snap. The second play, before we can get the second play, Creed has a false start, and that was not a good tone setter. You know, you take the opening drive and you're, you know, a bad snap and a penalty, and we're all of a sudden it's second and 20, and, you know, it was just a really, really rough start to the day. But overcoming that I thought was huge 
because but the defense getting those stops allowed the offense to find mm-hmm. their way and not have to be perfect out the gate. Yeah, it was it was so huge for the defense to be able to come out uh, and play as well as they did from from the jump and allow the offense to kind of settle into a, to a routine. Now they did get out to that ten nothing lead, but then after that the turnovers started happening and the wheels kind of started to fall off in the offense. Um, you know, after they scored their touchdown to go up 10, nothing, you know, the, the Sooners next several drives, you had an interception then you had a fumble and a fumble. And at that point you're like, uh, okay, what is going on with the Sooners offense? What was yeah. the energy like in the stadium at that point in time? I think it was frustration from the standpoint that the defense was delivering, you know, I mean, for all the, the first three games, all the different things have gone wrong. Spencer hasn't been perfect, but the offense has really been, you know, the criticism hasn't been directed too much their direction. Well, now you've got the defense, they're locked in, they're flying around. Texas can't move the football. And the last thing you want to do when your defense is locked in is give the other team a short field and essentially give them points, which is what our offense did. Uh, That interception, they returned to the 11 yard line that was right in front of me. And while it was discouraging, I will say one thing that I saw that was very encouraging in that moment was the defense is coming on as the offense is coming off. And Brendan Radley-Hiles, who's much maligned uh, by me and other Sooner fans for lack of discipline and all kinds of other things, but he comes on the field, he's clapping to the offense, you know, kind of doing the motion of like, hey, calm down, everything's good, we got this. He, he's kind of patting him on the chest, like looking and saying, hey, we got this, we got you guys. And they held him to a field goal. And I thought that was really cool to see that, one, him come out and try to reassure the young offense and then back it up by holding them to a field goal. I thought that was huge because if they give it up seven right there, well, then it's a whole different day. Yeah, and that that was such a huge drive because they get Texas gets the interception, and then the defense they hold them to negative or they they back them up actually. Yeah, Texas gains negative five yards on the ensuing drive and force that field goal. It's huge, and you think okay, the defense has really come to play, and we're we're looking at this and okay, they're going to actually compete on this day against a pretty good Texas offense. Mm-hmm. And then and then the Sooners get the ball back and Spencer Rattler has a fumble on a play that you're just like, okay, he's I think he's just trying to do too much on this play. Right. And from that point, we don't see him for the rest of the half. And there was a lot of speculation as to whether there was an injury or not. And after the uh the the halftime break, uh, the sideline reporter came back and said, well, Lincoln Riley basically said he was available uh, for the rest of the second or the rest of the first half, uh, we got a benching, and that was actually kind of surprising to me that that they would bench their their starting quarterback. But it was probably necessary given how free he's been with the football his first four games of, the, of his career as the the starter for Oklahoma. Yeah, I feel like it was necessary, and and I think that that could go down as one of the biggest coaching moves Lincoln Riley has made up to this point as head coach. And, you know, the vibe in the Cotton Bowl when Rattler had that second turnover was, man, this kid's not ready. And it just felt like he wasn't – he was rattled, uh, no pun intended. But when Mordecai came out, you know, I I thought that could have been a blessing in disguise because the run game was working. And, you know, we kind of leaned on the run game during those couple series that he was in there. And I think Mordecai was able to give him enough of a breather and let him reassess what's going on. So I think that, you know, ultimately, when you look at the numbers of his first half versus his second half, I think it's hard to argue that it was a great decision. Yeah, and it it was important to get him kind of 
get into his head a little bit and say, hey, man, you've got to protect the football a lot better than you have in the yeah. early part of your career. I mean, as as good as you are as a passer and a runner, you can't be so free with the football. I mean, it was one of the things that hurt the Sooners last year with Jalen Hurts. As great as he was, a lot of times he was a little lax with the football and protecting the football. And, and, the, and it's important that Lincoln Riley kind of beats that into his freshman quarterback's head early on in his career saying, no, we can't tolerate that. If we're going to win football games, you have to protect the football. And we've got so much more to dig into with this huge win for the Sooners. Uh, they went to four overtimes and, and everything happened in this game that could possibly happen. And we're going to cover it not just today, but all week long because there's just way too much to dig into in the next 20, 30 minutes. Uh, and as we get into more of the game, um, We'll talk more about Spencer Rattler. We'll talk about what the atmosphere was like because David was there. He was present for this Red River showdown, Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so we'll get his take on what it was like. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's easy to eat and is 100% covered in chocolate. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got 18 great flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, Cherry Garcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. My personal favorite is the Peanut Butter Brownie. They have nut and non-nut flavors. Best of all, they're good for you. They're high in protein, and most bars have only 4 or 5 grams of sugar. Are there several bars that you'd like to try? Well, Built Bar has a couple different options for you to create variety packs. If you need it for meal replacement or to try and add fuel to your workout, Built Bar is the protein bar for you. Use promo code LOCKEDON and save 20% off your next order of Built Bar by going to BuiltBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're back here on Locked On Sooners. We're going to continue talking about the Oklahoma Sooners 53-45 to overtime win over the Texas Longhorns at the Cotton Bowl in the Red River Showdown. Again, David Walker is here with me to break it all down. And David, we've talked a lot about the Oklahoma Sooners and how there was a need for accountability and leadership from this team. I feel like we finally got a little sense of that on Saturday in Dallas. No doubt about it. And I, I think, you know, alluding to that earlier with – Lincoln benching Spencer Rattler. I think that right there, when you bench the five-star Heisman contender, preseason favorite, you know, quarterback who's been talked about around this program for three, four years, when you're willing to bench that guy in the biggest game of the year, that gets the attention of every single person on that roster. And, you know, last year with Jalen Hurts, when he had those turnovers, well, that's a, a senior that, you know, maybe at that point you, you can't afford to pull the plug on him, but with a freshman who hasn't shown that doesn't have the resume of a Jalen Hurts, that's an opportunity right there where you can say, look, we're not going to tolerate that anymore. You've got to fix it. And that was a resounding message that was heard throughout that locker room. I, I guarantee you it got everybody's attention. And, you know, he might have to do it again to somebody else, but I think that it shows that if he's willing to bench him, he'll do it to anybody else. So the, the accountability is there from my perspective. After seeing that, I think that's a great development for the program. Yeah, and another, another thing that we touched on last week was the need for the defense and the special teams to step up and help the offense out a little bit. And we got that on the first Texas drive of the second half. 
they blocked a punt. We, we got a yep. blocked punt. I, and it was a great way to start the half for the Oklahoma uh, special teams, help their off. Well, the defense really started out strong. Um, Texas wasn't able to get anything going on that. They went three plays minus 12 yards on that in first drive, and they got the punt, the punt blocked. And I think it helped set a tone in the second half that, to allow the Oklahoma offense to really get a cheap and easy score to go up 24-17. Uh, again, the Texas defense was able to force a punt on the next drive. And then this, to me, was the kind of the turning point of the game, at least the, the regulation game, the first three quarters. After they forced that second uh, punt in the second half, OU went on a 17-play, 87-yard drive that covered eight minutes and seven seconds. That was a big boy Oklahoma Sooners classic football drive. And it completely changed the complexity of that second half of the football game. No doubt. And, John, you called for it on Friday on the preview show. Said, hey, you know, special teams need to step up. And we talked about how can they control the kick, the kick game of Texas, you know, the return game. And I said, man, it'd be nice if we just put them out of the end zone every time. Well, yep. Burkish did just that. And you know, the defense first forced a fumble on the opening possession of the game. The special teams unit blocks the punt on the first possession of the second half. So all those things are there. And then you talk about the offensive line and playing big boy football and having an eight-minute drive of 17 plays. That felt like and looked like the kind of offensive line play that we've come to expect from a Bill Biedenbaugh offensive line. And so that was a huge development. I thought T.J. Pledger – showed himself, you know, very well. And Marcus Major, uh, you know, had a, a nice impact there as well. But, you know, just the the ability to go on that kind of a drive, keep your defense fresh, was huge. And, you know, that third quarter, outscoring them 14 to nothing, it felt like control of the game was completely in, in the grasp of Oklahoma at that point. Yeah, and this is kind of where I'm going to have a, a bit of frustration. I felt like after they went up 31-17, they got into the fourth quarter and seemingly just kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. It yep. didn't seem to be as an aggressive, as aggressive of a football team. They, I don't want to say they felt like they had the game won, but it seemed like the play calling on both sides of the football, it seemed to get a little bit more conservative. Was that the sense that you were getting as well? Most definitely. I thought we start, we stopped bringing pressure and Sam started to have more and more time to throw. Uh, you know, we're getting the defensive holding calls. Now, I will say that there were plenty of holds that were missed on the Texas front. Tons. Uh, they were holding all day long. And, you know, anytime you see defensive holding where he's buying that much time and putting a lot of pressure on defensive backs to cover for what feels like 15, 20 seconds in these possessions, well, there's some holding taking place up front, you can rest assured. Whether it's mm -hmm. seen or unseen, it's happening. So we didn't get the benefit of any of those calls during that stretch in the fourth quarter when they were, um, you know, hanging around in the game. So – those were some things I was seeing live that and a lot of frustration among Sooner fans were blatant holds that weren't being called. Um, we, there's a big one in overtime on Ellinger's 25-yard touchdown run that was missed right in the open field um, on a, a, a linebacker right there in the middle of the field. So a lot of that was frustrating to see, but I, I felt like we did take our foot off the gas. We stopped bringing the same kind of pressure. And then offensively, we started getting more conservative. Uh, but, you know, that was uh, – a that that's kind of been the MO of this program, you know, for a while now, as you get that big lead in that fourth quarter, it becomes a white knuckle experience. That's something that they're, I'm sure they're going to have to address. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about this team needing to finish and they even actually have used that word and used that phrase. Uh, 
just finishing football games, and it's still a struggle for them. Uh, you know, Texas is able to outscore Oklahoma uh, fourteen nothing in the second or in the fourth quarter and tie that football game late uh, or in the final in the final minute of the game and take it to overtime. And man, that was a wild and crazy overtime. They went into four overtimes. There was a blocked kick. There was a missed field goal. There were touchdown runs. There were touchdown passes. You got everything that you could actually want. And then it all ended on an interception in the end zone. Trey Brown, they got the interception there at the end that sealed the game. And it just, again, got everything that you could ever want in a football game. Uh, Just absolutely crazy ending, David. So tell us about the overtime. What was it like experiencing that live where it's just one possession after another Either we can't get a stop, Texas can't get a stop. We think we've got the game won after the block field goal. We got Gabe Burkich lining up for potentially a game-winning field goal. What was the emotions like in the stadium at that well, moment? Well, John, the the emotion started with, you know, when Woody Washington picked off that pass in the end zone, five minutes left, the game was over. Every yeah. Sooner fan thought the game was over. Texas fans are leaving. And we won the game in that moment in everybody's mind, except we didn't. So, you know, as the game unfolded and uh, they, they make that comeback and force overtime, it felt like we had just let it slip away and there was zero confidence we were going to win that overtime period. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I thought Texas might just go for two right there at the end and just finish us off. Right. Um, but I can tell you that in the Cotton Bowl, uh, at the, during the third quarter, they ran out of water. So there was no bottled water being sold. And there were only, only bottles, no um, fountain drinks or anything like that. So there's no water being sold in the Cotton Bowl for the whole fourth quarter. And then you get into overtime. There's one overtime, two, three, four. And not only four overtimes, John, but every other play, somebody was getting hurt or Uh was being reviewed. So it was – the fans were getting restless. Uh, Your boy here was getting real real restless because I have my four-year-old Chamberlain there. Uh, And every overtime that passes, I'm like, man, is this kid going to make it? We got to hang in there. Um, My seven-year-old's hanging in there. My four-year-old's not. But we're getting through it. So – that was the emotions I was feeling was like, I, I don't know if we're going to win this game or not, but I'm losing right now. Cause I got kids here, <laughs> but, but it was, uh, it was definitely, you know, the, whether it was 25% capacity or not, it felt as big time as it could possibly feel. And nobody mm-hmm. cared if the bands were there. Nobody cared if there were 90,000 or 25,000 or whatever it was, it was OU Texas embattled in a classic and people were hanging on every single thing that took place on that field during those moments. It's it's such an exciting atmosphere. I mean, it's one of the best football games at any level, whether it's NFL, college, high school, whatever it is. It's one of the premier football games in the country. And to to be able to experience that live, and I bet for your kids, it was just a, an incredible experience for them as well. And it's good to hear that the attendance didn't take away from uh, the excitement and the energy and the emotion that went with the football game itself. And, hey, we're going to talk a little bit more about Uh, what this game really means for Oklahoma moving forward. We're going to talk about it, what it means for Texas. Yeah. So let's, we can get our, our handkerchiefs out and pass them to our friends South of the red river. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, how it it's going to impact the recruiting for these two teams. We'll definitely dig more into the game a little bit more in depth on the next show on Tuesday. So make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast. You want to hear everything that we've got to say about the, uh, the details and the fine, uh, the finer points of what happened on Saturday. Make sure you stick around. We also got some fan responses that we want to share with you as well from our Facebook account at Locked On Sooners, our Twitter account at Locked On Sooners. Make sure you go and follow those as well uh, so we can hear your feedback on what you felt about the game. We'll talk more about that coming up next.
Hey, you're listening to the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you go and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go check out the Locked On College Football podcast as well. We cover everything here. If you've got a favorite sports scene, there's a good chance we've got a podcast for you every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're going to get into a couple of fan reactions that we had from our Facebook account and our Twitter account. Make sure you go follow those on Twitter at Locked On Sooners on Facebook. Also, Locked On Sooners like subscribe to those and uh, Jerry Lee Daniels uh, replied to us on Facebook with his kind of biggest takeaway from the game. And what he's had to say was seems like, Oh, you needed to win a good dog fight. I like that. He spells dog with a W just harkens, harkens <laughs> yeah. to Georgia. That's the yeah. Georgia thing uh, yeah. to finally find their identity and trust in one another. David talk about how important this game was. I mean, we've gotten so used to Oklahoma just winning blowouts after blowouts uh, mm-hmm. and they haven't been able to finish these really close games the last this season, especially how important was it for them to get into a close game and then be able to come out on top more important. I think we realized, and I think that's a fantastic point by uh, our, our friend here, Jerry Lee, because, you know, when you don't have a summer workout that's traditional and you didn't get a spring ball that was traditional and you didn't get a training camp that was traditional, you know, a lot of the things that happen in spring football and summer workouts, those are bonding experience. A lot of it's miserable, but it's bonding and they didn't get a lot of those things. So through trials and adversity is where chemistry and trust is developed and they've had some adversity and trials already that didn't overcome them well. But when you win a game like that, that's so emotional, so back and forth where all three phases of the game contributed significantly good and bad, but all had can walk away from it feeling like they contributed, like they were all pulling on the rope in the same direction and they get back on that bus and ride back to Norman and they have something to feel great about. They can rely on that for not just the rest of the season, but for a lot of these young guys, they'll rely on that experience from Saturday for years to come. Yeah, you you learn a lot about yourself when you're put in trials or tribulations or uh, difficult positions. And yeah, we we haven't seen them be able to overcome those uh, those early season those those uh, tight games, those turnovers, the the setbacks but they were actually able to do that on Saturday and come out with a big win. That's going to be a huge confidence boost, not just for this season, but for a guy like Spencer Rattler, who's in his first season as a starting quarterback, he's able to kind of bottle that up and be like, all right, Hey, we can overcome some of the adversity now and, and win tight games, win close games. We don't have to rely upon, you know, winning 20 point blowouts moving forward. The next comment I want to bring to you is from our Twitter account, uh, Jared Bowley at Jared Bowley. He uh, commented, Spencer seemed to play within the O the second half. Not sure if sitting humbles him some, but appeared to not press to make plays himself. Rather, he let the play calls develop and be executed. How huge is it for your quarterback, especially your freshman quarterback, to just kind of let the game come to him a little bit and not try to make a big play every time he touches the football? Well, it's it's crucial, and that was aided in part by the run game and by the ability to run the football and by some of the receivers that we haven't seen step up like a Theo Weiss, you know, we have eight catches and make crucial third down conversions. But when you look at Spencer Rattler's, his splits, first half, second half, first half, he's eight for 13 for 68 yards, has a touchdown and two turnovers and minus six in the rushing category. Second half and overtime, he's 15 for 22 for 192 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, and then had 47 yards rushing. So it was definitely a tale of two halves for him. And there's no doubt about it that 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 breather that he got, that little benching, that wake-up call, 
contributed to him, I think, just playing within himself, taking some of the pressure off. Because once you've been benched, it's like, hey, what's the worst thing that can happen? I've already been benched. I can get benched again, but I at least know what that felt like. Now I can respond to it. And I think that was huge. Yeah, and it helps to kind of reset expectations a little bit as well. You know, he he's not being asked to go in and be Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, all guys that had college football experience before they took over as the Sooner starter. They're just asking him, hey, just go and play within the offense. Don't worry about trying to throw an 80-yard touchdown every time you take the field. Just take what the defense gives you, move the football, and, and just be efficient and effective. And he was that in the second half. And he was much he was a much more decisive runner, I felt like, in the second half as well. When he decided to run, he just took off and went. He didn't he didn't kind of like get caught in between that place of, am I going to throw? Am I going to run? Um, when he made the decision, he just went. And he was actually super effective in that. And it helped the Sooners, uh, especially in the overtime periods, to, to move the ball and score touchdowns. Uh, yep. Just huge. It's a huge moment for him uh, as a as a young quarterback to be able to, eat, especially overcome that benching and then play in the second half as well as he played uh, to help the Sooners pick up a, a big win on Saturday. But now let's start talking about what does this do for the programs. I mean, this is such a. It's going to be a huge letdown for Texas, a huge boost for Oklahoma, who already got a big five star recruiting commitment in the twenty twenty two class. This has got to have a huge impact on these two schools. Am I right, David? Well, this game always carries a lot of weight in recruiting. Um, and right there, I think at, at the beginning, I think it was the day before the game, I got the number one receiver of the 2022 class committed. And I'm sure that a lot of those guys who are, um, we're, well, we're in election year, so we can call them undecideds. Um, I think, you know, they're, they're watching that as, uh, that, that's their debate, that they're watching uh, every second Saturday in October to kind of be a referendum on the two programs. And I think if you're a Texas fan, you are sitting here, and we talked about this last week, but you're sitting here looking at that game, looking back at that game now, saying, man, if we couldn't beat Oklahoma in a season like this, when do we expect that we're actually going to turn the corner and catch them as a program and pass them in recruiting and in winning in the Big 12 and doing all the things that they've said they want to do? They've got to feel a little bit frustrated if they couldn't do it with their veteran quarterback and you know, playing a freshman quarterback and, and all the different – question marks Oklahoma had coming into that game. Yeah, and it's uh, it's Luther Burden that committed. He's uh, out of St. Louis, huge, yep. huge guy, uh, big-time recruit, big-time commitment for the Sooners, uh, and it's going to just continue to be things like that because of Lincoln Riley and the offense that he is able to construct and produce and the quarterbacks he's able to get. But what does it do for, like, Texas and, and their coaching situation? Because you're already starting to hear rumblings and whispers that maybe they're dissatisfied with Tom Herman and maybe ready, ready to make a change. Well, that's those questions aren't going to go away. And I don't really know what he can do, you know, short of winning out and finding a way to get to Arlington and win the Big 12, which is still possible. It's still on the table for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, short of doing that, I don't know how he eases the frustration because if he doesn't win out, then he's going to have a, at minimum three losses and will have never had a, a two-loss season, a one-loss season. You know, he's not going to have a hallmark year. He's going to have the Georgia Sugar Bowl win, but he's not going to have that plant your flag in the ground. This was a fantastic season for our program year. And I think people are growing restless. I think, you know, on the Texas side, they're looking at, they're comparing his record, his splits against OU, OSU, Tech, TCU with Charlie Strong. And he's coming up short in some of those battles. And they they sent Charlie Strong packing. And I think there's one big name that is out there that is lingering that would be worth them buying him out. And now he's got 25 million on his contract. That's a big buyout, but 
Urban Meyer, as long as Urban Meyer is sitting out there, and I know Sooner fans don't want to hear that name and associate that in burnt orange at all, but I think as long as that name is out there, then that's the one that Texas fans are going to be romanticizing, and that's going to continue to to put pressure on Tom Herman as the year goes on. Yeah, and it's been a few years now since Urban Meyer's graced the sidelines. He's probably finally recovered from whatever heart ailment was keeping him uh, from coaching. So, But about OU, I mean, this has got to be huge for the program itself to be able to put a feather in their cap and say, yeah, we started 0-2 in the Big 12, but we got Texas. We beat them uh, in a shootout, in a, in a game that had some ups and downs. What does this do for their confidence moving forward and maybe potentially playing themselves back into the Big 12 title competition? Well, I think they found their identity. I think they found some chemistry and I think they have all of their goals still out in front of them. And I think that's going to be the message that that goes throughout that program going forward is all of our goals are in front of us. Now the college football playoff might not be in the picture this year and that's okay, but they need to treat the big 12 race as the same way they've treated that college football playoff race where, you know, in the last few years they're pushing to get to that four seed and maybe the three seed but they had that four seed inside and they knew how they needed to get there. They knew who needed to lose and who needed to beat who, and, but they just kept doing their job. And I think that's right now they need to be focused on how can we get to that two seed in Arlington? It doesn't matter if you're one or two, how can we get to, to that second spot and get to Arlington and have a chance to defend what is ours. And I think that's going to be the message that until proven otherwise, we are still the defending champs. And until we're out of this race, it's somebody's got to have to beat us in Dallas or in Arlington to win this thing. And that's going to be what they are uh, talking about going forward. Yeah, and it's certainly possible, but there's a lot of Big 12 play to happen. And we've already seen some some ups and downs and some upsets uh, in Big 12 conference play. Now it looks like there are a few teams that are starting to separate themselves from the pack a little bit at the top. Uh, we'll get into that later in the week when we cover around the Big 12. Still so much more to talk about in OU's 53-45 to 45 quadruple overtime win over the Texas Longhorns. And we'll dig into that in more detail on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Sooners. Make sure you go and subscribe to the show. You won't want to miss any of our content. We've got a lot of a lot of opinions, a lot of things to, to talk about, a lot of players to mention who had big games on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. And uh, we'll talk about that more on tomorrow's show. So make sure you do subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. He's David Walker. I'm John Williams. That's going to do it for today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.